2: Hello everyone and welcome to the october twenty second, twenty eighteen edition of the Fantasy Football Report, a Rotoviz radio news show covering the serious and mocking the ridiculous NFL news of the last week, brought to you by My Bookie. I'm Blair Andrews. You can follow me on Twitter at Am I the Real Blair. And my co-host is Hassan Rahim, who you can follow at HRR5010. Hassan, how's it going?
3: It's going well, Blair. Uh, you know, just football happened again. It was Sunday. Uh, I had a good time. Uh, unfortunately, I was far too busy today to really uh, sit down and actually enjoy uh, watching some of the games. Uh, but, you know, I'm taking a look at my teams, which is always a bad idea. And, uh, well, let's just put it this way. I made some really bad moves so, eh, what are you going to do, huh? That's
2: right, just one week, but yeah, don't look at your teams, is a key takeaway here. Um, we have no guests today, it's just going to be Hassan and I, uh, giving you our unadulterated takes, no no uh, guest to push back, so you get us at our at our best, so we'll get right into it. Marcus Mariota completed 24 of 32 passes for 237 yards with a touchdown and an interception in Week 7 against the Chargers. He also added 38 yards on seven rush attempts. So, Hassan, although Mariota's performance was an improvement over how he's played over the last few games, the Titans' offense as a whole has been disappointing. So, how do you see this offense faring once they come out of their bye?
3: Yeah, I think we talked a little bit about this uh, when Ben Battle was on the pod last week. uh, The Bilo machine, um, you know, kind of... Indicates that the uh, quarterback uh, for the Tennessee Titans, which is one Marcus Mariota hopefully, has a kind of a neutral schedule once they come out of the bye. I think it kind of softens up pretty nicely for them. Uh, you, you know, one of the things to actually note is this was one of uh, Mariota's better games. Uh, he the, the team itself played, for, uh, played pretty well. I mean, like the, like the play calling was kind of suspect. Uh, they succeeded quite a bit when they ran play action. And uh, one thing that was actually kind of impressive was how both the backs, uh, Lewis and uh, Henry, kind of uh, mixed in. Uh, Dion Lewis actually saw six targets. He got all six for 64 yards. He looked very, very good, um, and he only handled uh, 13 carries. The thing that I wanted to point out here is Tajay Sharp actually seems to be uh, becoming a thing. He's caught seven of his nine targets, had 101 yards. Meanwhile, Corey Davis sort of stunk up the joint again. He saw seven targets. He caught three of them for 10 yards. He was just, you know, by and large, kind of a disappointment. He also didn't come down uh, when he was targeted in the end zone uh, in the fourth quarter. He just hasn't been on the same page with Mariota. And, Really, they kind of need him to step up. I mean, they gave up on Richard Matthews, who clearly Mariota trusts. Uh, Mariota also lost Delaney Walker to IR, another receiver that he trusts. And it seems like he doesn't really have much trust in his current receiving core right now. Uh, you know, with the fact that, you know, Tajay Sharp seems to be, be his most trusted guy it's going to be interesting to see how this target distribution comes out after the buy, but, you know, it's kind of heartening to see them play a little bit better, especially against a tough uh, division opponent after traveling to London. What do you think?
2: Yeah, I pretty much agree with that. I mean, exactly what you said about Corey Davis, how much of a disappointment he's been. Uh, I was thinking as you were talking, what, like, I don't own him in a ton of leagues. I own him in some dynasty leagues, but I'm wondering, like, if I'm trying to uh get you know move him off my roster if i don't think that uh he's maybe gonna pan out what am i hoping to get in return and i was having trouble kind of coming up with something that would be a like a fair offer do you have any thoughts on that
3: so i actually moved gory davis off the one dynasty roster i have him on um this was right after his blow-up game i really needed a second running back so i paired him with uh, leonard fournette and paid up uh, for melvin gordon um and uh, that was kind of a snap, except uh, uh, from the other owner, because I was, uh, you know, kind of overpaying for Gordon. Uh, this was a handful of weeks ago. And unfortunately, those are the kind of trades you kind of have to make when you're paying for like in-season production uh, for guys who have completely out- overshot where you thought they were. I mean, it wasn't too long ago where we thought Leonard Fournette and Melvin Gordon were kind of in the same tier Uh you know they're really not. Uh, they weren't. If you go look at uh, our ranks uh, on Rotoviz uh, our dynasty ranks. Um, but eh, w- you know what can you do? And uh, I was just kind of fortunate to like leverage those two brand names. And although I might have lost those trades, uh, if you look at any trade calculator, I would say that I think Melvin Gordon's first week after I acquired him, he scored more points than Fournette, plus Corey Davis combined over the last seven weeks. So you know <laughs> who's the you know who's winning now? Uh, I guess.
2: Yeah, there you go.
3: Yeah, so so I think like that's kind of what you want to do. I mean, the issue with Davis right now is again, people are going to be circling the question marks around him. So I think when you're looking to move him, it's sort of where the hype machine picks up in the offseason if he continues to like do poorly. And I mean, my question here for you was, you've done a lot of work around wide receiver breakouts and uh is this sort of a bad sign uh just Davis's inability to actually make plays uh, you know is this like a bad sign for davis's future going forward or what do you think
2: yeah there are a number of bad signs here obviously i mean you know not only do we see that most wide receiver breakouts happen in the in the first two years so either year one or year two but also um it turns out that players who have really bad rookie years especially in terms of efficiency. Often go on to have you know disappointing um, disappointing years later and uh, maybe even tend not to break out so yeah there are some kind of strong negative signals in Davis's profile I mean obviously he missed several games last year so he didn't even get to play a full rookie season so you can kind of give him a little bit of a pass on that one but uh, you know um, Sean Siegel has also done some work showing how How important, uh, early declare is for college prospects coming out, uh, people who did not elect to stay for their senior year, which Corey Davis did. So, I mean, when you've got those three signals, which are all pretty strong, or maybe it's only two, but in any case, you've got, you know, not only his, this kind of ding on his prospect profile, but also on his, his professional profile. Uh, I think you definitely have to start you know thinking you know maybe he's not uh, as good as he was hyped to be maybe he's not uh, quite the quite the 5th overall pick talent that Tennessee thought they were getting um you know he's someone i loved back uh during uh, prospect season when he was coming in um you know just insane market shares so it's it's hard for me to you know to kind of give up on him to say oh you know i was just wrong and he's actually not that good, I mean everybody was pretty much wrong. So, yeah, I don't know. It's a tough situation, but nothing that he's done so far in his short career has really inspired much confidence.
3: Yeah, and I'm actually looking at the buy low machine uh, right here over on Rotaviz, one of our you know apps, uh, signature apps here. Uh, after the buy, Tennessee wide receivers will face off against Dallas, New England, Indianapolis, and Houston. And the New York Jets, uh, the all, you know, all five of those kind of grayed out as at worst neutral at best, you know, fairly positive matchups for this wide receiver core, which, you know, in turn gives me a little bit of hope, quite a bit of hope actually for the quarterback position. And kind of, I'm kind of hoping that's where we see Corey Davis, uh, put it together, uh, along with, uh, you know, Taewon Taylor. And I think if you can spare the roster space in uh, deeper dynasty leagues or deep redraft leagues, uh, Dajay Sharp might be an interesting guy to st- uh, snag here. Uh, you're going to have to uh, you know, roster him and not play him on the bye. But, uh, you know, I mean, if he's kind of coming on strong, as <laughs> like Mariota's trusted receiver. Why not take a shot if you're really in dire straits so at that spot?
2: Yeah. Do you think that this is something we'll see more of going forward? Sharp getting more involved?
3: I genuinely don't know. Uh, I-, I wish I could tell. I mean, you know the, the the Titans' offense has been very low volume. It's it's just very hard to watch this squad. I mean, it's kind of fascinating that they're uh, you know one game below 500 right now. It's just you would think they're like 0 and seven, but they're not. Uh, I think the one thing to keep in mind here is just we're heading into the heart of the buys. Like they're we're still yet to hit the heavy buy weeks, and there's two buy weeks I believe where they're going to be six teams on buy each. Tajay Sharp will probably be able to fill in somewhere if you need him. Sonny Michelle was forced out of the game early with a left knee injury. Uh, Blair, in Michelle's absence, James White functioned as a primary running back and Kenyon Barner uh, saw some run. How do you see the Patriots' offense changing as a result of Michelle's injury?
2: Uh, yeah, this is an interesting question. I mean, it seemed like in the game today they were fine using White in sort of the situations you would expect them to be using Michelle in kind of short yardage situations at the end of the game to waste clock, it was James White getting all those carries. So, um, it's possible that they just give him all the work. Uh, you know, Barner probably will get a lot more run. Um, if if Michelle's injury is long-term and he has to miss a lot of time, I wouldn't be at all surprised to see them try to pick up someone just because they've always been a team that's kind of carried backs with these specific functions. Um, but, I mean, in any case, I think you have to give a boost to James White while Michelle is out. I mean, we saw what he did today with uh, Michelle sidelined two touchdowns. So, um <clears throat> yeah, he's definitely someone to bump up in your rankings uh, at least as long as Michelle is injured.
3: Yeah, that's actually, I mean, like like you said, James White kind of functioned as the primary uh, running back here. As, and I really don't think they want him to be the guy who, like, is the the guy who they give all the tack, uh, you know, through the tackles, used heavily as a grinder there. I was actually just quickly checking to see when Burkhead is eligible to come off IR. And I believe it's week 11. I, we still don't really know the extent of his neck injury. We don't know if it's if he's really been put on season-ending IR. I uh, wasn't able to find that. Uh, I think he was placed in IR with a designated res- to return was the last thing I was able to dig up through my two minutes of uh, checking the old Google machine here. Um, but, yeah, I think Kenyon Barner probably will function as like just the grinder. I mean, I know uh, I was recently reading something about Kenyon Barner just sort of mentioning that he's trying to learn how to figure out how to, uh, you know, getting a hold of this offense a little bit. And uh, I I wonder if they sign, uh, who they have in their practice squad. Kenneth Sparrow, I think they might actually elevate him, which, uh, you know, is not (laughs) a very good, (laughs) you know, it's not really a a way to advocate for uh, for him, I suppose. But he is a running back who is very close to the seat of power. Um, James Devlin might see a little bit more work. Uh, But I wonder if they just, kind of shift over to more of a possession style going through the air because Chris Hogan kind of came alive in today's game a little bit as well. And I wonder if they just like lean on their receivers uh, heavily and just sort of try and extend drives and, you know, try and, you know, try and uh, bleed the clock down before passing or something to that extent. If they're able to, as opposed to have, uh, you know, risk a serious injury, James White. What do you think?
2: Yeah, I mean, that's definitely possible. Uh, they have a bye in week 11. The three games before that, they're at Buffalo, uh, home against Green Bay, and then at Tennessee. So in probably two of those games, you can see that, you can see New England jumping out to a big lead pretty early and, uh, then wanting to run the ball. So, um, but, you know, maybe, maybe they will even so still rely on more on passing maybe uh trade out some of those short runs for passes to james white or edelman in the slot or something um kind of high percentage passes instead of runs that's a kind of a trend we've seen happen in on a few other teams uh this year and in the past couple years so um might be nice to see that if if new england decides to do that but i think uh that was a Probably a good call on Farrow and Devlin, and uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, I would expect them to want to run the ball. Uh, well, actually, maybe not. Maybe they're okay like scoring quickly and letting Buffalo try and play offense against them. Who knows?
3: Yeah, I don't think Buffalo really has what constitutes an offense, but I am disappointed. Uh, you actually failed to mention uh, Josh Gordon, who uh, caught four of his seven targets for 100 yards.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, I did forget to mention him. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I guess uh, are his targets exactly what you would call high percentage? I mean, four of seven is is pretty good. Yeah.
3: Yeah. I mean, hey, I'm just excited because uh, I'm actually very excited to see him uh, coming on. I mean, I know Gronkowski was out, but you know, it's it's exciting to see signs of life for Flash here.
2: Definitely. Yeah. Uh... Yeah, had a lot of exposure to him actually in, in DFS. So the 100 yard bonus on DraftKings was nice. I was probably hoping to see a little bit more, hoping they would target him a little bit more. Uh, maybe he would, could get a touchdown, but, uh, it's definitely encouraging to see him be so productive on just seven targets. So yeah, I'm really hopeful for, you know, what he can do with Brady for the rest of the season. All right. Before we get into No Shit Shit No, here's a quick reminder that you can support the Rotoviz Radio Network and our 10 shows per week on Patreon. By doing so, you'll gain exclusive access to Rotoviz Live, our weekly Sunday morning video show answering all your fantasy questions. Patronships start at just $6 a month and provide exclusive access to Rotoviz Live. That's four shows per month on top of 40 podcasts for just $6. Become a Rotoviz radio patron today to join an exclusive community of listeners, access premium content, and do your part in helping the network to grow and continue to produce high quality industry-leading programming.
3: Speaking of exclusives as a loyal podcast listener, you can get 30% off your Rotoviz of NFL Password right now. It's available through the NFL Podcast homepage, rotaviz.com/slash podcast. You gain unlimited access to our NFL content and our tools. You get amazing value. You support the podcast network. Once again, that's rotaviz.com slash podcast.
2: All right, now let's get into No shit. Should Know. First item up, Michael Gallup hauled in three of five targets for a team high 81 yards and one score in Dallas' week seven loss to the Redskins.
3: Yeah, I don't know what way to go with this. Uh, It's weird because like, at one point, the Dallas Cowboys are arguably one of the more backward teams. This is the only team with a featured running back and a wide receiver by committee. On the other hand, we know they've got targets up for grabs. Uh, We know that they drafted Michael Gallup in the third because they like him, they like his talent. It's actually kind of nifty seeing him come alive, especially because, I mean, bear in mind that like 49 yards came on one play, like it was a one deep ball. But it is good to see Dak uh, developing that chemistry here with Gallup. I mean, both... Cole Beasley and Allen Hearns round out what is arguably one of the saddest receiving cores in the NFL here. And, uh, I mean, you know, Gallup's talent can actually break through. Uh, you know, like they just they, they need players to step up. This, this team cannot continue to play this low-flow, ball-control offense for as good as their defense really is. Uh, you know, when Zeke is unable to get anything going on the ground, they have to take to the air. And uh, Gallup is someone who people might have given up on, so check your waivers. George Kittle hauled in five of eight targets for 98 yards and a touchdown in the 49ers' week seven loss to the Rams.
2: Yeah, this is a no shit for me. Um, Kittle and Bethard have seemed to have some kind of connection the last few weeks. And we know the Rams, even though they haven't been that strong against wide receivers the last few weeks with Talib out, um, they've still kind of been a, a funnel defense in that they give up a lot of tight end targets. So I think this was this looked like it was going to be a pretty good spot for Kittle and uh, uh it was so
3: yeah but uh what are your thoughts on uh uh you know Marquise Goodwin uh he didn't really do much
2: yeah what are my thoughts on Marquise Goodwin I mean my thoughts are that his quarterback is CJ Beathard so what do you want <laughs> Raheem Mostert rushed seven times for 59 yards and hauled in all four of his targets for 19 yards in the 49ers' Week 7 loss to the Rams.
3: Yeah, this is kind of gonna have to be no shit. I mean, really, part of it was just Matt Breda reaggravating that ankle injury. He came off that exceptional performance Monday night, but they, I mean, you know, they were just unable to really get much going on the ground. Mostert has the ability to kind of break pretty big plays. We saw that Monday night, uh, and he's doing it again. Uh, I mean, Breda was, uh, you know, struggling to such a degree that uh, they actually gave Alfred Morris some carries in this game. And he was, I mean, the the difference is Mostert saw work as well as a receiver. He saw four targets. He caught all four of them uh, for 19 yards. You know, this is a big play threat, Uh, I think, that uh, provided the 49ers are serious about letting Breda get healthy before continuing to ride him. You know, he only saw had five carries today uh, for 15 yards. Breda did. Um, like, this is a squad that is going to lean on uh, some kind of monster Morris rotation. Uh, the issue that I have from a fantasy perspective is this isn't a very good team. Uh, I don't know how often they're going to visit the red zone. I don't know what you can expect in terms of uh, weekly fantasy production that isn't, you know, volatile from either or of them with a floor that leaves you at, you know, very low and i have no idea how to gauge their ceiling john brown caught seven of seven targets for 134 yards and a touchdown in the ravens week seven loss to the saints
2: so this one's actually a shit no for me um because of the (laughs) seven catches on seven targets for brown is a line we're probably not gonna see i mean i think that he fits well with what the ravens are trying to do throwing the ball downfield a lot in this game, he actually had only 90 air yards on seven targets. So that's an A dot of less than 13. Crabtree actually had a higher A dot in this game. So um, kind of, he was used today in a way that we haven't really seen before. Uh, more more short stuff. Um, and I don't know if we can expect that to continue going forward. I kind of think probably not. I think next week or uh, in the near future, he'll be back to, you know, be seeing mostly deep targets so um obviously 134 yards and a touchdown is kind of always within his range of outcomes uh I just don't think he'll usually be this efficient with his seven targets Todd Gurley rushed 15 times for 63 yards and two touchdowns and caught four or five targets for 23 yards and another score in the Rams week seven win over the 49ers
3: make Todd Gurley illegal. This is, it's, it's unfair, man. Like, you know, like when you, when you, when you go to go play against, uh, uh him in a, you know, seasonal format or, or what have you, uh, even in dynasty and you see the other guy starting Todd Gurley, it's like, ah, come on, man. Like, just don't put up 40 points. And it's like, okay, he put up 32 and it's like, well, I still can't overcome this. It's, you know, it's like, uh, he's pretty much been a bit of a fantasy cheat code, uh, all season long. Um, my bigger question here is, you know, the Rams are seven and zero. They're closing in on that uh, playoff spot, and you know, I wonder if when they if they clinch their home field and their bye, did they just shut him down? I mean, I know like Malcolm Brown saw plenty of run because this was a you know a laugher of a blowout. So, you know, at what point do you think the Rams opt to like shut him down? Like, uh, you, do, you know, like uh, do you think that that's a that's an issue? I guess. Uh, I mean, uh, to rephrase my question, do you think they shut him down once they clinch home field?
2: Huh, that's a good question. Like their week 17 starts in like week 14 or something,
3: you mean? Yeah, I I don't know <laughs> if it's going to be week 14, but like it would genuinely be very funny if it was like a week 14 where they're just like, "Well, Gurley's out to the playoffs now." And that would be really funny.
2: Yeah, that would be a that would be a kind of a <laughs> cruel cruel uh, joke to play on all his fantasy owners, but um I don't know. That's an interesting thought. I kind of think that's unlikely, but uh, definitely there are, you know, stranger, stranger things happen in the NFL. So, um, probably something to keep in mind if you're a girly owner and the Rams keep
3: winning. Carson Wentz completed 30 of 37 passes for 310 yards and two touchdowns in the Eagles' week 7 loss to the Panthers.
2: Um, I mean, no shit. This is what Wentz does, right? 30 of 37 passes. Uh, And the Eagles have kind of been a little bit disappointing too this season, especially, I guess, on defense. So even the, even the week seven loss to the Panthers is not, not all that surprising, uh, even with this, what is pretty, a pretty decent stat line for Wentz. Um, so yeah, I think, uh, in one way, kind of the Eagles struggles could be good for Wentz going forward if he has to attempt more passes, but, um, I think he'll, he'll continue to be solid this season, uh, Yeah, I mean, are you at all worried about, um, about I guess Wentz's efficiency if the Eagles are, you know, in a lot of close games or are uh, are not winning as much?
3: No, I'm really not. I mean, this is kind of what Wentz does. Uh, The Panthers don't exactly have a good defense or a good secondary. Uh, I mean, these guys, uh, both Alshon Jeffrey and Zach Ertz, carved them up. Uh, like, you know, just an absolute. Smashing and I mean, Wentz was able. I mean, he looks really good, dude. Like, he's uh, he's uh, getting he's healthy now that they have Alshon back. Uh, he's able to make his play like reads and just able to play with the you know more open offense a little bit. I think like this offense, like Alshon Jeffrey, adds a new dynamism. Like, like, like part of the issue here is Nelson Aguilar is absolute garbage. I mean, he is um, like, he re- regressed to where, remember when everyone was like, well, he's really terrible. He's that guy again. I mean, he caught six of his seven targets for 20 yards. That is amazing. Like Six of seven targets for 20 yards. I mean, that's just, I mean, you know, I think they're probably going to start giving Goddard some more run, particularly as a receiver. He saw uh, he caught four of his five targets for 43 yards and a score, and they really are kind of hurting a little bit at for receiver help. Um, I wonder, if, I mean, I uh, think that this squad really needs Mike Wallace back um and he's going to be pretty interesting uh an interesting addition they think that he is going to come back and uh you know be a factor down the stretch in which case i mean provided once taking those deep a dot throws down to wallace a you know he's probably going to lose it a little bit in terms of efficiency but in terms of talent i think that that's kind of unquestioned at this point the guy is i mean he's incredible like uh Watching him make these like plays uh, and just putting up crazy points, it's a bit of a bummer that they lost to the to the Panthers. But here, you know, I mean, that's how it goes.
2: TJ Yeldon rushed 12 times for 28 yards and caught 5 of 7 targets for 40 yards and a touchdown in the Jaguars' Week 7 loss to Houston.
3: Yeah, that's going to be probably a shit no for me. Uh, this team just recently traded for Carlos Hyde. Um, uh, that was actually a bit of a surprise. Uh you know, freed the way up for Nick Chubb, but Yeldon's had the backfield all to himself for a very long time now. Um, he also was uh, responsible for an interception, uh, just he failed to corral it and bounce bounced off his hands. Uh, I think they'll be happy to get Hyde in as a change-of-pace guy once uh, Hyde starts running the offense, Would will probably be able to slide him in. Yeldon's really been very volume-driven, his spike weeks have come because, you know, there's no Leonard Fournette, there's just no one else and Corey Grant's an IR. Like, who else was going to challenge him? But now with Hyde in the backfield and the Jaguars repeatedly saying Leonard Fournette is coming back, that's going to you know kind of relegate Yeldon to change of base status. Um, what do you uh, what do you think?
2: Uh, yeah, I kind of agree. I mean, I think probably the Hyde trade says more about Fournette's shape for this season. Um, you know, it, I mean. The Jaguars also lost Corey Grant to IR, obviously, so, I mean, they're pretty thin at running back, um, so it's possible they still want Yeldon to be the guy, and Hyde is the Hyde is kind of the change of pace, or maybe Hyde is, I don't know, just the short yardage guy. Um, I mean, it's hard to see how this is a good thing for Yeldon, obviously, but it's also, I mean, some people, I guess, were thinking it would be good for Hyde, but I don't see that either, so... Uh, everybody loses in this trade, except for Nick Chubb.
3: Jordan Howard rushed 12 times for 39 yards and a touchdown in the Bears' Week 7 loss to the Patriots.
2: Um, I mean, I think this is a bad stat line, right? This is not good. 12 times for 39 yards, that's like a little over three yards. He got the touchdown, but um, I think, you know, now that Cohen is being a lot more worked into the office, basically every time Howard is in the game, Opponents know that it's a, a running play. So uh, he's kind of easy to stack the box against when he's on the field. So I expect that we'll continue to see these kind of uh, low rushing yardage totals and maybe he'll get a touchdown. Um, I mean, we've said it before. Clearly the back to own in this backfield is Cohen. Um, I don't think that Howard is going to be um, going to be, you know, winning many fantasy titles this season. So, I mean, he's someone who, if you can sell high after the touchdown, maybe try to do that, although that seems hard to do. But, uh, yeah, so I guess this is a no shit, even though he did get a touchdown. I mean, yeah, he's going to get touchdowns, touchdown, so no shit. Eric Ebron absorbed three of seven targets for 31 yards Sunday in the Colts' week seven win over the Bills.
3: Yeah, this is kind of going to be a no shit here for me as well. Uh, I mean, look, Ebron was really fueled by the fact that Luck had no one else to throw to. Uh, TTY Hilton was out. Uh, there was no Marlon Mack. You know, I mean, these guys, he only had Ebron and he had uh, Chester Rogers, Ryan Grant, Ryan Grant, Zach Pascal. You know, I mean, he has no one really to throw to. And when like Hilton came back, uh, you know, he immediately, I mean, first off, this was a, a game that was fairly low flow. In terms of in terms of how many times this uh, Luck had to actually throw the ball, he only attempted 23 passes. Uh, you know, seven of them, the majority of them, actually went to Eric Ebron. Uh, you know, and then the rest were kind of parsed out between the others. Uh, Hilton saw four, Rogers saw four, Max saw three. You know, he only completed 17 for 156 yards and four TDs. This team was completely comfortable letting the Bills beat themselves and I think that that's going to be uh, a story going down the stretch is just the Bills is woefully inept offense will not generate or force the other team to really have to play football and they're completely content doing that uh, in terms of uh, you know Ebron just sort of fading away today yeah that's going to be a no shit because he's a tight end that's kind of what tight ends do and when you're faced with a game script that doesn't end up shooting out you're just not going to see many targets.
2: Yeah. So seven targets doesn't sound like really a lot. As you mentioned, only 23 pass attempts for luck, though. So that's like a 30% target market share. He also had 52% of the total air yards on the team. So, uh, I mean, those are, you know, like <laughs> incredible numbers, especially for a tight end. So I guess, do you see him still maintaining a lead, uh, in, in terms of market share, even when Hilton maybe is back fully?
3: That kind of is going to be dependent on what the Colts do at the trade deadline. Uh, Amari Cooper, uh, you know, there's been rumors about him being traded. Uh, The Colts have actually emerged as one of three teams that has seriously inquired about him. Uh, The other two being the Dallas Cowboys and Washington. Uh, We talked a little bit about Amari Cooper and Indianapolis uh, last week, this time. Uh, With Ben and uh, you know again they've got the gap space they can probably make it happen. I I wonder what Gruden's asking price really is and if the Colts are willing to pay it. That's going to determine a lot uh, going down. Uh, But this team, if they if they actually add uh, Amari, who you know is an immediate upgrade over Chester Rogers and Ryan Grant combined, and he's a different type of player to D. Y. Hilton. I I don't know, man. Like. do you really see like them heavily using Ebron, especially once Jack Doyle's back in the fold?
2: No, probably not <laughs> but i'm I've been I've been kind of skeptical on Ebron the whole season, often
3: to my uh,
2: you know detriment. so take that I guess with a grain of salt.
3: Kenny and Drake rushed six times for 72 yards and a touchdown in the Dolphins' week seven loss to the Lions. He also added four receptions for 15 additional yards.
2: Yeah, Drake uh, actually led the team in targets today, so um, if you're an owner, that's obviously nice to see, although you'd probably like him to get more rushing work, um, although I think this is probably a no-shit. This is kind of how they want to divvy up their backfield touches, with. Frank Gore leading the way in terms of rushing and then Drake being worked in as the uh pass catching back. So, um that's a little bit disappointing for people who drafted him in the 3rd round or 4th round or wherever you were able to get him. Um although obviously the receiving work is a lot more valuable and if he can continue to get eight targets, I mean even if they're, you know, <laughs> Eight targets from Brock Osweiler maybe aren't that good, and he was only able to turn them into 15 yards. So it's uh, not a great line today, but still the the, the workload is, is good to see. Um, yeah, I'm kind of – was never a big Drake believer, so I guess seeing him be used this much in the passing game is kind of a pleasant surprise to me. Um, but still a little bit disappointing to, based on where people drafted him, for sure. Ronald Jones rushed six times for 13 yards and a touchdown while catching his lone target for 15 yards in Sunday's week seven win over the Browns.
3: I don't know what to make of this. Um, I'm going to say shit. No, if only because a lot of Ronald Jones's work game, uh, you know, kind of intermit- intermittently, this team seems to be pretty hell bent on using Peyton Barber as a starter. He was barely used. Barber had to actually leave the field uh, because of an injury. And he was actually, uh, the interesting thing here is that touchdown, that is the first rushing touchdown scored by a Buccaneers' running back this season. I think part of it is actually interesting uh, because Barber, he suffered an ankle injury uh, trying to catch his final target in the third quarter of the game and the Bucks haven't really uh, updated us on what his status is going forward. But, you know, I mean, if he's missing practice, that probably means they're going to have to be forced to use Jones, right?
2: Yeah, I would think so. Uh, you know, obviously Barber has struggled in this offense and Jones didn't look that much better. I mean, the only you have to think that the problems with this running game are systemic. It's not that Barber is actually bad, although he really maybe might be and Ronald Jones, I guess might be too, but um, it's likely this is kind of like what we saw in Arizona with David Johnson, just, you know, being asked to run up the middle every play and, you know, how many yards can you gain doing that every time? So um, yeah, I think that, they would have to they're obviously going to have to turn to ronald jones if barber can't play is it going to be good for jones you know um i don't know six carries for 13 yards today so i think that we might continue to see him be pretty inefficient and unfortunately he's going to get a lot of the blame for that so um yeah i almost want them not to use him (laughs)
3: Adam Thielen caught 9 of 10 targets for 110 yards and a touchdown in the Vikings a 37-17, week 7 win over the Jets.
2: I mean, no shit. This is what Thielen does, right? Uh, another 100-yard game, uh, another touchdown. I don't know if the Jets this time were just focusing on Diggs again, like the like all the all the teams seem to be uh, that they've faced before this, treating Diggs as if he's the number one. Um, but for whatever reason, yeah, Thielen is smashing. Diggs actually had 15 targets today, I think, and ended up catching eight of them for only, I want to say, 33 yards. So he had a pretty pretty disappointing game from an efficiency standpoint, but he was getting a lot of targets. So that's definitely a positive sign for uh, people who own a lot of Diggs like me. But uh, yeah, I mean... I would say, you know, continue to start both of these guys. Thielen has, you know, shows no signs of slowing down. I'm expecting at some point we'll see defenses start focusing more on him, which will open up the field more for Diggs to uh, really get going. So uh, this will be a, yeah, definitely a, a fun team to watch going forward. on Johnson rushed 19 times for 158 yards in the Lions Week 7 win over the Dolphins, adding two receptions for 21 additional yards.
3: Yeah, and this is no shit. I mean, we always sort of knew he was uh, ultra-talented, right? Like, uh, it was just a matter of Matt Patricia letting him be great. Uh, unfortunately, what it took was an injury to Theoretic before they opted to use him a little bit more in terms of the rushing game, I mean, receiving game. But even then, he barely saw much work, right? Like, two targets, whatever, who cares? Uh, part of what is actually interesting is, is just how much better a runner he is than garrett Blunt. And yet, Blunt continues to vulture goal line work. It's uh it's uh, frustrating, I guess, if you do own um, carry on. But at this point, uh, I think you know carry on's you know, it's very difficult to ignore that he is taking over this backfield. Uh, he's sort of seen a higher share of the rush attempts. He saw nine. Uh, Blunt only saw ten. He, uh, I mean, uh, you know, to Blunt's credit, he added fifty yards in a score. But you know. For the most part, this is uh, going to be a backfield that uh, Carry On slowly takes over. And I guess, you know, would be something to sort of monitor going forward. Hopefully, you were you actually drafted Carry On um, and are ready to deploy him as an every week RB2. I mean, if he finds the end zone once, he's not going to have 158 yards and 19 rush attempts again. It's just not going to be that easy. But if he's able to find the end zone or he's able to continuously post, you know, solid rushing numbers and a handful of receptions, you've got a pretty you know, high-end RB2 with potential RB1 upside.
2: Yeah, definitely. And it's important to note you know, the three targets is disappointing if you were hoping for him to take over a lot of Riddick's work. But Stafford only threw 22 passes. I mean, obviously, because Johnson was so uh, efficient in the run game, at least in part, and Blunt even was, you know, five yards per carry is like... Uh, <laughs> unheard of for blunt so um so it's weird for detroit to be this good at running the ball but and i don't think they probably will be going forward so i'd expect if riddick has to miss more time johnson to get more passing game work so even if he's not as efficient a runner hopefully he can even some of that out with some uh, more receptions Lamar Miller rushed 22 times for 100 yards and a touchdown and caught one of three targets for negative one yard in the Texans' Week 7 win over the Jaguars.
3: So just as everyone's ready to give up on Lamar Miller, he pulls us all back in again, right? Uh, I mean, this is this, this could be a shit no, but really it is a uh, no shit. I mean, today, Deshaun Watson didn't do much. I don't know if you caught the story about how he got to the game from Houston, but uh, the guy is in bad shape, man. I mean... Let me let me look it up really quickly. I gotta. it was. It, I I don't want to be wrong about that. He took the bus to avoid plane pressure because he's playing with like a partially collapsed lung. Yeah. He, oh, sorry. No, not partially collapsed lung. I was wrong about that. He. Uh, they were worried about the effect the air pressure could have on the quarterback's bruised lung and injured ribs. And, uh, you know, Bill O'Brien basically said that, like, uh, you know, he's playing hurt and it looks like they're actually not going to do the thing where they're uh, letting him get hit uh, as a, as someone who, you know, runs out of the uh, as a runner. They're willing to actually lean on their run game, which is good news for Lamar Miller, who actually put together this is the best game of the season. He came up pretty big against a divisional opponent on the road. I mean, and this is good news for any of uh, us who have a lot of Lamar Miller in uh basketball leagues i've got him in uh just a ton of them and uh you know it's good to see signs of life from him
2: yeah definitely um you know last year anyway jacksonville was someone who we kind of wanted to target running backs against just because their secondary was so good so i mean do you think this is kind of houston exploiting a matchup and uh maybe we shouldn't necessarily see this going forward. I mean, obviously game script had a lot to do with it. They went 20 to 7. So, um are you comfortable starting Miller going forward this season or is this kind of a just a blip?
3: I'm definitely going to be starting Miller against the Dolphins next week. I mean, we just talked about how uh, you know, both On Johnson and uh the Blunt destroyed them on the ground. And I think that, you know, we can see that happen again. Uh, I mean, it's kind of interesting because Deshaun Watson was able to still make plays. You know, uh, Hopkins and Fuller worked in pretty nicely. And he will make plays. I mean, this is a really, really tough dude. I mean, he recovered from an ACL tear. Now he's dealing with massive injuries to where he can't even fly with the squad. And he's still able to come up and, like, lace up and go out there and play. Uh, You know, if if that was me... uh, you know, if I if I have the flu, I'm uh I'm out for the week, man. Like, you know, so 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 this is a squad that's actually going to be kind of interesting to follow, and I think they might lean heavily on Lamar Miller as Deshaun Watson gets right. I mean, this this offensive line it was just so poor and just so terrible, and people were you know kind of appalled at like the amount of hits Watson was taking. So it's I would expect them to lean on their run game going forward, uh, especially because this they're now in uh, command of the division and they're in you know position to make the playoffs. And I think they want to keep their quarterback healthy for the playoffs.
2: So how about this one going off script a bit? Uh, Tyler Irvin caught one target, one of his, his only target for 19 yards. Uh, is he someone you <laughs> believe in going forward?
3: Uh, probably not. Uh, if only because we've still got, you know, Jordan Aikens, Jordan Thomas, neither of them saw much work. Kiki QT actually had to leave the game with a hamstring issue. I think the way this will go is just very concentrated uh, in terms of target share. They're just going to go to Hopkins, go to Fuller. I mean, you know, Fuller's a deep threat, but at the same time, I believe he's got the ability to be the short dot guy who you just let let rack up Yak. I mean, the guy's got elite burner speed. Hopkins is the—sorry, uh, Watson is a guy who can easily hit him in stride. And, uh, you know, with Lamar Miller and Alfred Blue, you know, you've got kind of that one-two-ish, you you know, meh kind of run game. But the interesting thing will be if uh, Foreman comes back and, uh, you know, he's ready to go. uh, Maybe he's not going to be a particularly fantasy viable runner, but he might actually provide a little bit more protection in terms of pass pro, whatever, who cares. But also as a physical through-the-tackles runner, which will let Lamar Miller actually work in more so as a receiver out of the backfield. So that would be interesting to follow, and I think that that is why Tyler Irvin won't necessarily really be a thing, which is a bit of a bummer, because I know you're a huge fan of his.
2: I am. I was, and I'm still kind of holding out hope. I guess I'm I'm one of the last uh, Tyler Irvin truthers. But uh, yeah, I also like uh, Dante Foreman, so I'm excited to see him come back, and hopefully he uh, will uh, you know, look as good as he did at the end of his uh you know shortened season last last year
3: matthew stafford completed 18 of 22 passes for 217 yards and two touchdowns in the lions is 32 21 week seven win over the dolphins
2: yeah i mean we kind of discussed this already this is probably a should know just in terms of the uh number of passes stafford should be expected to throw uh on a you know going forward from here um the lions running game obviously was way more efficient than uh that has been in a long time and um i don't think we'll see that a lot more but um stafford obviously has talented pass catchers i mean galladay looks like he is a real you know wide receiver one in this league i mean if he can get continue to get uh Most of the opportunity he's getting or um, even hopefully get more going forward, I think he could, you know, end up maybe top 15 uh, wide receiver. I don't know exactly where he's ranked right now, but uh, I have really high hopes for him. So I I think uh, we should expect to see Stafford have, um, you know, efficient games. In the future, I mean, 217 yards and two touchdowns. This isn't great, but on only 22 passes, you know, you'd think if he could, if he could even attempt 32, that could go way up. So, uh, yeah, I really am liking this uh, Lions offense uh, for the rest of the season. Sam Darnold completed just 17 of 42 passes for 206 yards, one touchdown, and three interceptions in the Jets 37-17 Week 7 loss to the Vikings.
3: Yeah, you know this is kind of a no shit, and also a bit of a shit no. Uh, it's hard to tell because he's a he's a rookie quarterback, uh, without any real semblance of a receiving core. Um, I thought he did fairly okay considering that they were playing against a Super Bowl favorite. So in that regard, uh, I'm actually kind of uh, in- interested. I mean, Darnold is young. I think he's gonna turn out to be pretty okay. Uh, in terms of uh as a quarterback um the question is uh you know he seems to be progressing pretty nicely he's got a handful of pretty nice wins he's got a bunch of brutal losses uh, you know if this is all parts of the game i uh, you know in terms of like actual um progression in terms of being a rookie and taking a lumps and learning with it he's one of the youngest uh, if not the youngest NFL quarterback ever so you know his ceiling is astronomical and um It's a bit of a bummer to not see him actually connect a little bit more with Robbie Anderson. Really, Robbie Anderson is uh, their only um, healthy wide receiver right now. He saw 10 targets. He caught three of those for 44 yards. Uh, Trenton Cannon actually saw plenty of work as a receiver. He caught four of his five targets for 69 yards. Pretty nice. Uh, And Chris Herndon has uh, emerged as his second favorite target, apparently. He caught four of his seven for 42 yards and a score. You know, so I guess... To put that question back to you, what do you think about Darnold in terms of his rookie as how his rookie season has gone thus far?
2: I've actually been pretty impressed with Darnold's rookie season. I mean, this team has, for the most part, you know, outside of today and I think one other game, they've mostly relied on the run. I mean, they've gotten a few really big games from Crowell, so that's enabled them to kind of uh, not have to use Darnold as much. Um but the times that they have uh you know asked him to to actually throw the ball i think he has he has played fairly well i mean yeah like you said he's a rookie there're going to be some growing pains but i mean for yeah a kid who's what 21 you know coming into the nfl i think um He's been better than I expected, I guess, is what I'll say. Uh, not that I didn't like him. You know, I I was pretty high on him as a QB prospect. I just um, thought that he would struggle early in the season. And, uh, you know, to an extent he has, but um, not as much as I, I guess I would have thought. I mean, three interceptions, never good to see. But, um, you know, the the Jets have been a surprising team to watch they've been surprisingly good so and I think Darnold has a lot to do with that Baker Mayfield completed 23 of 34 passes for 215 yards and two touchdowns in Sunday's week seven loss to the Bucks.
3: yeah this is going to be uh no shit for me uh, Baker Mayfield's the second rookie quarterback who is, you know, proving to be the guy who is very, very good. I think both Baker and Darnold uh, are the two rookie quarterbacks who are kind of living up to billing. I know Darnold kind of isn't, uh, but here's the thing. he's kind of doesn't have the same supporting cast as Baker does. Uh, Baker's got a slightly better supporting cast and just an absolute load of garbage in terms of coaching. I mean, say what you want. I don't think Todd Haley's particularly good. And he's still making it work. Uh, he's peppering Landry a lot. He's peppering Njoku a lot. And, you know, it looks like uh, Antonio Galloway is fading away uh, from relevance. And Damian Ratley. I mean, like this is like a squad that's still fairly gallant, deficient in terms of receiver uh, help. And, you know, Mayfield's still making it happen. He added 43 yards on the ground as well on four carries it his legs. you know this guy is fantastic and I'm very very excited for the future of both Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold in this league because if there's one thing this entire Patrick Mahomes hoopla has shown us is that we need more good young quarterbacks in the NFL
2: yeah so the Browns actually it just made a huge move obviously moving Hyde we kind of talked about that with Yeldon but um one person that I think a lot of people expected that to help was Duke Johnson and uh, he kind of disappointed today. Were you expecting more out of him?
3: Ah, I haven't heard that name in years. Yeah, I, I actually kind of was, uh, you know, like last week, uh, we were actually reminded that, Hey, this Duke Johnson character is pretty good at football and he's good at catching the ball and he's good at running, which, uh, you know, which they need, they need, they need a receiver, you know? and. It's kind of bizarre uh, to see uh, you know Duke only get four targets in this one. He caught all four of them for 23 yards, but you know at, at the same time, I don't know what what this coaching staff is really doing by by marginalizing Duke. You know, like you resigned him uh, and um, he's clearly a better receiver than some of the guys you've got in your squad. Uh, I was partially kind of optimistic that he would see a little bit more run, but that hasn't come to fruition. What do you, what are your thoughts on his rest of season prospects here?
2: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, Mayfield obviously is not – like, he's looking downfield a lot, it seems. He's not as interested in checking down to running backs as a lot of quarterbacks often are. I mean, if you if you traded every Antonio Callaway for a Duke Johnson – every Antonio Callaway target, that is, for a Duke Johnson target, I mean, it's hard to believe that your team wouldn't be better off for doing that, just with how bad Callaway has looked the past few games. Um so, you know, I mean, Callaway only had two targets today, so maybe there's a chance that uh, Duke Johnson can step into some of that opportunity, although even though he didn't today, um, you know, Landry had 15 targets. I don't think he's going to get that many going forward. So I guess I still have a little hope that uh, Duke Johnson will get more passing game opportunity. Um Last year, they had him lining up in the slot a lot and, uh, basically running wide receiver routes. So, um, you know, maybe we'll see him do more of that going forward. I mean, it's not like I have faith in this coaching staff to do that, although Haley did that with Le'Veon Bell a bit in Pittsburgh. And, uh, you know, Hugh Jackson obviously was coaching last year when they were doing that with Duke Johnson. So there's a lot of, you know, at least signs pointing to the fact that they, Know they could be using Duke Johnson better, I guess. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's hard to really tell what this coaching staff knows, so I don't know.
3: Yeah, there was some chatter that they're uh, that the ownership is not particularly thrilled, and they're looking to shake things up. Um, that might—I don't know if that means that he was out of the door, or on his way out the door, or um, everyone's on their way out the door. So I guess we should stay tuned. I mean, all that's going to mean is. This team's gonna to have to start again um, in 2019, so with a whole new offense probably. So it'll be interesting to see how this one goes goes down. Philip Lindsay rushed 14 times for 90 yards and a touchdown in to the Broncos' Week Seven win over the Cardinals.
2: Yeah, no shit. Philip Lindsay is the real deal. I mean, he's looked amazing every time he's running the ball. He's obviously the best pass-catching back out of the backfield, and he gives the Broncos uh, sort of an element that Freeman doesn't give them in the sense that he's kind of a dual threat, right? Uh, when when he's on the field, defense doesn't necessarily know uh, whether they want to use him in the run or the pass. So, I mean, he's uh, more valuable to the Broncos in that way, so I expect we'll keep seeing him put up these kind of lines. So, um, you know, if you were lucky enough to pick him up Early for sixty nine dollars or something, then um, you're probably really happy.
3: Yes, I am very happy. <laughs> but uh, but actually, kind of interesting because they don't re- they haven't really thrown much to Philip Lindsay. Uh, the weird thing really was in that uh, Cardinals game to see Booker actually come out and get one target that he caught for negative one yards. I mean, get get out of here. Uh, but like the big deal here is Royce Freeman kind of suffered a high ankle sprain. But the team is insisting he's going to be ready, you know, for this week. And I think uh, the the issue that I kind of have here with Freeman is he might actually be undervalued. I've got a couple of offers from people who are trying to sell uh, a Royce Freeman. The issue with selling Royce Freeman right now is you're going to have to sell them very low. You're not going to get the same kind of valuation you had uh, pre-start you know, start of the NFL season where everyone was very hyper. Like, I mean, at this point, I, I don't know what I'll be willing to pay for like Royce Freeman, but you're going to have to, if you're trying to legitimately offload him, you're going to have to take a massive loss on that uh, thing. Uh, as a guy who's actually invested fairly heavily in Royce Freeman, I'm just willing to hold. Uh, I think this entire squad will eventually have to figure out what they're doing on offense because the advanced years of offense isn't particularly good and I think that will spark Freeman in kind of an Ingram-esque uh, role uh, leaving uh, Lindsay kind of, I mean I wouldn't even say he's the Camara but like they both play very distinct roles and I don't know it kind of like uh, and it's hard to even compare them to Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler because neither of them really are used heavily in the receiving game but they can be a form, like a kind of a Thunder and lightning-ish backfield, if that makes sense.
2: Yeah, definitely. um Yeah, I mean, one thing to note in this game against the Cardinals, the you know the Broncos only attempted 22 passes. Um, so Lindsey getting one target, I mean, that's pretty disappointing. But maybe not. You know, it's kind of a weird game. I mean, I think Freeman. Yeah, you definitely don't want to sell him now. He's he's uh, a hold for me as well. He's Definitely an underrated pass catcher. Uh, it was something he did quite a bit in college, and for whatever reason, the Broncos are not giving him that sort of work. Um, you know, which as a Philip Lindsay owner, I'm, I'm okay with, but as a Freeman owner in some in a lot of dynasty leagues, that's a little bit disappointing that they're not trying to make a more concerted effort to work him into kind of both phases of the game. They're really treating him as – I don't know, like a, a much more talented LeGarrette Blunt or something. I mean, they're giving him a lot more run between the 20s, but yeah, kind of like you said, Ingram, Camara, um I mean, even Ingram is catching passes, so maybe it's more like a Jordan Howard, Tariq Cohen kind of situation. Um, but just with a lot less passing game involvement for anyone, for everyone, since they still insist on using Booker. So, yeah, a lot of a lot of aspects of this situation that are frustrating. Um,
3: Yeah. Just to go a little bit off script uh, today came out, came out that like the Broncos are shopping Demarius Thomas uh, pretty heavily. So maybe there is some more opportunity, but really that signals it's Cortland Sutton time.
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. I've been, you know, expecting every week since like week two to be Cortland Sutton time. I mean, he finally got a touchdown didn't even come from Keenum. So I think that's probably a signal that uh, maybe they need a quarterback change. I don't know. Switch, (laughs) move, move Sanders to, uh, to quarterback and then there'll be enough opportunity for Sutton. But yeah, uh, I really like his prospects going forward. He's someone I'm trying to acquire right now in almost every league, because I think that over the rest of the season, he's only going to see his opportunity grow and uh, he's going to probably have some big games from here on out
3: yeah it's kind of weird right like uh, Cortland Sutton looks a lot like latter-day Demarius Thomas right now maybe with a quarterback upgrade he (laughs) could look like uh look like uh, uh yesterday like Demarius Thomas of yesteryear
2: definitely Mitchell Trubisky completed 26 of 50 attempts for 333 yards two touchdowns and two interceptions in the Bears week seven loss to the Patriots adding 81 yards and a touchdown on six carries
3: yeah, I don't know what to say here. I guess no shit to the rushing production—that's just ludicrous. But shit, no to the to the passing production, right? Like this game was a shootout; there was plenty of volume to go around. Uh, and Trubisky is kind of coming up big, you know. I mean, like he did it without any involvement from Allen Robinson. Like this is a squad that is doing it's actually executing on the game plan and it's fairly fascinating to watch them do that and grow as a team. They're they're very exciting. Uh, We were talking a little bit off mic uh, before the start of the show. And, uh, you know, I think uh, the bears would have been a fascinating team for a spirit have actually thought about covering uh, in hard knocks ahead of the Browns.
2: Yeah, definitely. A lot of interesting aspects of this team. I mean, they've looked, uh, you know, the past three weeks have looked totally different than, than they did in their first three weeks, um yeah, I guess the question is for me anyway, uh you know which trubisky is the is the real one is the one we've seen the last three weeks where he's gone for over three hundred yards, and uh I think he's thrown eleven touchdown passes in the last three weeks um you know is that the trubisky that we're going to see the rest of the season, or should we be expecting him to regress to his uh, earlier season form.
3: I mean, the obvious answer is uh, to say some form of regression is due, uh, but at the same time, I mean, if this Bears' defense is going to continue to get hammered uh, going forward, they're going to have to throw to stay in games. The difference is, is I think this team is like learning the ropes on offense to where they're able to stay in these uh, shootouts, which is you know pretty impressive, and they're going to put up points. And it's going to be a matter of time. It's only a matter of time till eventually, hopefully uh, knock on wood because I have a lot of exposure that Alan Robinson comes around and uh, you know, it's and that everyone sort of gets fed. I mean, Trey Burton and Tariq Cohen were absolute monsters today. And uh, you know, Taylor Gabriel was kind of marginalized, but it would be nice to see, uh, you know, Alan Robinson get on the same page, maybe even Anthony Miller do something. Um, but This is a team with a lot of options in terms of offense, and I think that this we could see him actually play at a better and a higher level than we did in those first three games. So I think that those first three games might have actually been his basement, if that makes sense.
2: Yeah, it definitely makes sense. And I mean, coming into the season, I think a lot of people in the fantasy world were expecting um, sort of a big step forward, kind of a Jared Goff esque step forward after the coaching change. And so, in a way, the last three weeks have kind of confirmed our prior. So, um, you know, him, if he continues to perform at this level, you know, maybe that's not necessarily, uh, maybe he's not necessarily due for aggression just because. Yeah, uh, he's kind of he's more meeting our, <laughs> our preseason expectations, if that makes any sense. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's just funny how quickly kind of opinions changed on him just based on you know a few games, a really small sample. After I guess three games, everyone was you know kind of out on him. He's he's terrible after all, not the not the next Jared Goff it turns out. But then uh, three games like this, and uh, we're back on. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, it's just funny how these short time frames can really, really mess with your evaluations.
3: Yeah, I think we're just in a rush to kind of crown the next really good guy and just be sure of it. And, you know, I I kind of think that we should be embracing the sport, embracing the variance and just, you know, enjoying the journey.
2: All right. Before we get into the final segment, I understand uh, you're hoping for a big game from Odell Beckham tomorrow night.
3: Is that right? yeah i i am i'm uh, we were talking a little bit off mic. i i really facing a pretty steep deficit and he's on a lot of my squad, so i'm gonna need him to step up pretty big here
2: well i'm seeing a line on his yardage at my bookie let's see looks like you can build a prop over ninety six for minus one fifteen how do you like uh those odds and would you would that give you enough to uh to win your matchup
3: yeah hopefully the over on that one actually hits uh I probably actually just might go right ahead and actually play that. Um, I know it's not going to be for a lot. I don't know what the limit on these things are, but uh, if it does, I'll be pretty happy because that would probably give me a win in uh, about five matchups here. So that's actually pretty nifty.
2: Yeah, that would be awesome. You definitely want to, to play that on my bookie. You know, Watching football is fun, but it's more entertaining when you have some action on the line. Uh, whether you're an expert or a rookie, you should be betting at my bookie. If you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot, then like playing the numbers on roulette, you can create a big parlay. Uh, pick three teams to win. If you hit all three, you could turn $100 into $600. There's so much to bet on, playoff baseball, hockey, primetime fights, and more, but my bookie is the one bet I know you'll be happy with all year. I recommend these guys because I really trust them. MyBookie has been in business for years, they've got great online reviews, and their mobile site is easy to use. If you're on the sidelines, now's the time to get in the game. My bookie will still match your first deposit dollar for dollar, but you gotta join now because they'll be pulling that offer. So log on to My Bookie right now and double your money. You play, you win, you get paid. Alright, moving on to news item number three. Mark Ingram rushed 12 times for 32 scoreless yards in the Saints' week 7 win over the Ravens and added 2 catches for 10 additional yards. Meanwhile, Alvin Kamara rushed 17 times for 64 yards and a touchdown. While adding two catches for 11 additional yards, so Hassan Kamara outtouched Ingram 19 to 14 in this game. Do you think that this is closer to the touch distribution we should expect going forward?
3: Yeah, I would actually think so. This is actually a pretty close game here played between both the uh, both teams, and I've written about it, you know, extensively uh, in the Zero RB report. This is a you know when the game is within a score, the team is much more likely to use uh, Kamara over Ingram. Uh, I mean, Kamara is just a more dynamic player. He's just a fantastic receiver out of the backfield. He's good at running through the tackles. I mean, he's kind of inefficient-ish relative to Ingram, but, you know, they're willing to salt the game away with Ingram. This defense isn't what it was last year, and you kind of end up with numbers like this. I mean, you know, they face face off against a team that's a pretty solid defense, and neither of them are able to get... um, much done uh, in terms of, uh, you know, through the air, uh, you know, the two targets here for I mean, the, sorry, the two catches for Camara for 11 yards is a huge disappointment. Uh, the big difference is both of them kind of saw goal line carries. Kamara actually converted his unlike Ingram and, uh, you know, given and I'm kind of a fan of Ingram, but not really as big as I am of Kamara just because of the difference in athleticism, you know, Camara's uh, ability to create across the field. Ingram really needs to convert those money plays. Uh, You know, in my bylaw report uh, last year in Week 16, I actually recommended that people straight go out and just sell Ingram in Dynasty Leagues. He was coming off a career best year. It was highly unlikely he was going to be able to repeat. And, uh, you know, one of the things that required for him to repeat as as he he did as an RB1 last year was that the defense was going to be good. Uh, This New Orleans defense, not good. So I would kind of expect in close games, uh, you know, Kamara to see the bulk of the work. I mean, and that's sort of where I would expect to see this go. What are your thoughts here on this backfield and how the, the work was parsed out?
2: Yeah, it was definitely disappointing to see Kamara only get those two catches. The other thing that was a little bit disappointing in a weird way is that he actually outcarried Ingram, um, you know, because if Ingram has any value, uh, to this backfield, I mean, I'm saying this as, you know, a huge Camaro fan, so I'm kind of biased. If Ingram has any value, it's in taking on a lot of the rushing attempts that are, you know, far lower value touches and also higher injury risk touches. Um, <laughs> I mean that's a really kind of cynical way to look at what Ingram's value is, but I think if you're a, a Camaro owner, Camaro fan, that's the the way you'd like to see them use Ingram. Uh, take some of those, um, you know, those low value touches away from Camaro and uh, hopefully keep him healthier. Uh, so yeah, it's frustrating that they're kind of using them interchangeably, even giving Camaro more run. I mean uh giving him more rushing attempts you know the goal line carries obviously are good and Kamara is has shown that he's you know he's good at converting those so i think they probably want to keep him keep giving them to him um so yeah i don't know i mean I, w- I was loving the Kamara we had before ingram came back i'm hoping that we still get to see some of that even with ingram in the mix um I expect that you know two catches is going to be uh, an anomaly for Kamara, and he should uh, get a lot more going forward. I mean, it's not like Ingram is stealing a lot of catches from him. He also only had two. So, yeah, while this is frustrating, I don't think it's necessarily a sign of what we should expect going forward. Uh, I think in terms of Kamara out-touching Ingram, that probably will continue to happen, but just hopefully more of those touches are going to be converted from rushing attempts to passing targets.
3: Yeah, and just out of curiosity, I know Taysom Hill saw, you know, a little bit of work and he's kind of has emerged not necessarily as a fantasy viable asset, but more so as like a leech and he will, you know, sort of siphon away some of that uh uh work and uh so what are your thoughts on you know Taysom Hill and who who does it really influence here?
2: Yeah, Taysom Hill is uh definitely kind of interesting. Um I think that probably if his value hurts any of these running backs, it would be Ingram's just because the role they've kind of given him given to Hill kind of seems to overlap more with what they are asking Ingram to do or at least what I'm hoping them to ask Ingram to do. Um I mean it's clear, you know, when Hill is in the game they are never going to throw the ball. They're not putting Hill in the game in order to attempt a pass when you have Drew Brees. So, I mean, yeah, he's listed at QB, but he's basically a third running back and, uh, you know, he's not catching passes either. So, um, you know, I guess he's kind of doing those <laughs> between the tackles carries that, uh, I don't want, in- I don't want Camaro getting a lot of, and, uh, you know, that's hurting Ingram, I think, more than Camara. So I, uh, yeah, as a you know, as someone who owns some Camara and basically zero Ingram, I'm not too worried about Taysom Hill. Um, yeah, I mean, I like kind of the creative way they're using him, just because I think he has a lot more value as a runner than probably he does as a passer. So, uh, it's definitely fun to watch when he comes into the game. So I'm hoping they can kind of continue to use him in even more creative ways maybe. But uh, yeah, I don't think he's a threat to Kamara.
3: Blake Portals failed to move the ball against the Houston Texans and was benched for Cody Kessler in the second half. Kessler, Kessler competed 21 of 30 passes for 156 yards and a touchdown and one interception in the second half. Uh, Blair, do you think this uh, benching was to send a message to Bortles, or do you think the Jaguars will continue to play Castler, the starting QB uh, for the foreseeable future?
2: Um, I do not. I think that next week we'll see Bortles back under center. I'd be really surprised if they didn't go back to Bortles next week. I think this is kind of just... Uh... You know the coaches are fed up with the way the offense is playing, fed up with the uh, with the fumbles, and just uh, need to I don't know get a get a fresh uh, you know fresh set of legs in the game, fresh uh, arm. Um, I would not really be reading too much into Bortles' future with the team based on this, um, based on this benching. Um, you know, but on the other hand, Bortles has looked you know pretty bad in a few recent games Kessler I always thought was you know serviceable at least when he was in Cleveland he wasn't awful and uh you know today 21 of 30 passes and a touchdown you know that's not awful uh so you know (laughs) it's possible the Jaguars could be at least as good with Kessler under center if not maybe a little bit better so I'm yeah, I'm not necessarily opposed. Maybe even to them going to Kessler. I mean, I'm not a Bortles fanboy by any means, and I uh, I always thought Kessler was underrated. So it would definitely be an interesting situation if they if they went to Kessler, and I'd kind of be excited to see what happened. But I'm I would be really surprised if they did that.
3: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, um, in the interception, I, I mentioned this earlier in the show, but the interception really was this like uh, check, check down pass to TJ Yeldon and it just garomed off his hands right into the arms of like the opposing safety. It, it really was like not Kessler's fault. I mean, Kessler kind of is like a game manager type of guy. And realistically, that's kind of what this squad was under Blake Portals like last year, right? Like, this was a team that ran the football. They expected the defense to step up and make plays. Uh, you know, they were content winning without really putting points up on the board. Now, the issue that, you know, we're looking at here is, uh, you know, Blake, like Blake Bortles has uh, uh, sort of been the root cause behind, uh, you know, them falling into a deficit. You know, he lost two, two fumbles, um, and he just he can't seem to hit the broadside of a barn. He seems to be the kind of guy who um, is, you know... Uh, Gets kind of in his own head, if that makes sense, right? Like when he's playing well, he'll continue to play well. But when he plays badly, he kind of spirals downward, right? And uh, I wonder if, uh, you know, this team was supposed to be a theoretical Super Bowl contender. Uh, I wonder if they really are going to give Bortle some time off. Um, I mean, I guess in uh, the only fantasy-relevant advice for Kessler I have is... If you play in a Superflex or a 2QB Dynasty League, uh, you know, take a look in your waivers. If you're in a bad situation for quarterback, take a look at your waivers. I don't think I can, like, recommend Castler as an actual fill-in quarterback in terms of um, uh for one QB leagues maybe outside of a punt play in DFS. We'll see when pricing comes out. I haven't looked at the pricing for this week, but you know, I mean, it would be kind of fascinating because Gessler kind of performed pretty okay in that one season as the Browns. Uh, not great. He definitely might represent something in terms of a longer term asset as well. I mean, the Jaguars are going to be paying, paying portals for next year, but, uh, you know, maybe it is kind of evident that he has been holding them back. I, I don't know how to go about this.
2: Yeah, that's a good point. Uh you know, if you're in a really deep, super flex league and you are really struggling at quarterback, I guess if you have the roster space, there are worse things to do than pick up Kessler just in case uh, the team decides he's, you know, <laughs> giving them more of what they need. I mean, they still lost today even with, after Kessler came in. So, you know, I mean, maybe it was a little bit too late, but um they face Philly next week, who is a team that uh, kind of, despite, you know, our expectations going into the season has been pretty easy for other teams to throw them on. So um, it's possible could be a bounce back spot for Bortles if they do go back to him and we kind of all forget about this benching. But, you know, I mean, if they're willing to give Kessler some run, maybe he could perform well next week and, uh, and maybe that'll be the end of Bortles. I don't know. We'll see. All right, well, that'll do it for this edition of the Fantasy Football Report. Please remember to rate and review the Road of His Radio channel on iTunes and subscribe to our Patreon. For Hassan Rahim, I'm Blair Andrews. Thanks.
3: Thank you for listening to the Fantasy Football Report. Please rate and review the Road of His Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app contact us via email at rotovisradio at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at road of his Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotovis at a 30% discount through the Rotovis podcast homepage, rotovis.com slash podcast.
2: You shouldn't go to Barnes & Noble and buy 10,000 books just so you can build a book fortress and yell out, I am your book leader. You shouldn't buy 147 copies of War and Peace, stuff them inside turkeys and serve them at Thanksgiving as Terbookins. And you definitely shouldn't buy up all the copies of Dork Diaries, causing the neighborhood kids to stage a protest in your front yard. But you could. Because at the Barnes & Noble book hall, you can get over a 1,000 titles for 50% off. Stock up at your local Barnes & Noble. Tobaccoons are fictitious and should
3: not be cooked at home.
0: Okay, let's say you're on vacation or out running errands and you want to see what's going on at home. Or you're at home and you want to see what your dog's getting up to downstairs. With self-protection from Xfinity, you can keep an eye on things no matter where you are with live and recorded video, all on your terms. Learn more at Xfinity.com slash self-protection. Restrictions apply. Residential customers only. Requires Xfinity internet and compatible XFi gateway. Professional monitoring not included.